Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hi there. Welcome to episode 21 of Sexology Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's a beautiful day in LA. It's sunny. It's warm. I just finished with my last patient. I'll get to do what I love the most, talking about sex with you guys next half an hour. I hope wherever you are, you're enjoying your day. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that frequently comes up in my private practice. We're going to talk about mismatched libido. Oftentimes, when there's an issue around libido, when there's a mismatch, I see one of the partners bring the couple, the other partner in and saying, oh, please fix him or her. But what's important is that the issue is mismatch in libido and the person with lower libido can do just fine in another relationship. So it's very important to come up with ideas, the skills, the things you can do in your relationship if that's something you're struggling with to address what's going on in that dynamic. Our guest today is Mrs. Reynold Nelson. Mrs. Nelson is a licensed marriage, family, ASAC certified sex therapist and infidelity recovery coach with an experience of more than 11 years. Renelle hails from the state of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and got indulged in the profession of marriage and family therapy in grad school. Renelle was able to attain the first-hand knowledge of the silenced, suffering, and agony of women specifically due to lack of education and self-awareness while working at a Women's Touch Sexuality Resource Center. These experiences led her to transition her passion of working for the betterment of women and others into a profession 
as an ASAC certified sex therapist. Renelle is also an owner of Kaleidoscope Services, which is a platform specifically made for the purpose of enhancing common individual knowledge regarding the sexual aspects of life and their connection with the issues related to anxiety and depression. Renelle's primary objective is to use her remarkable skills and natural talents to enhance, educate, and excite the people's life in and out of the bedroom. Here's my conversation with Mrs. Renelle Nelson. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. As I mentioned during the introduction, I am thrilled and honored to have Mrs. Renelle Nelson, ASAC certified sex therapist on the show today. Renelle, welcome to the Sexology. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad that you accepted our invitation. And we're going to talk about libido dysfunctions, differences in libidos in different couples, and how can people overcome their struggles. So when I hear about low libido, people have different understanding of what that means. What is a low libido? Low libido is basically your interest in sex, your interest in pleasure. It's that spark that when you meet somebody that your brain says, hey, that feels good. Hey, maybe I should take it any further. It's that that first initial response that make you want to uh, please and just more desirable. So that's what libido is, the desire to have sex. So it's a, as you said, that it's a spark, the in, initial interest people have for initiating sex, having sex. And I know when yes. they say low, what are they comparing it to? <laughs> that gets confusing. It's very confusing because you see so many people to what is the norm and they come in. And I was like saying what it is, is if it's a big difference for you. If you used to have a night and libido can be used as sex drive. So if your sex drive used to be, you know, very, very intense and now it declined. Um, that's I think you range what high and low is to you, not what anybody else thinks. So what it is with your diet, what you are your partner was considered low. So I think that's something I would like to tell people because some people want to compare it to somebody else. But no, it's how you figure it's low desire. Like, hey, I used to have desire. I don't have desire anymore. That is so right when you talk about like you know, comparing to where you were, because I know that there is this misunderstanding that I often hear from my patient that they think everyone else has like better sex life. They have more desire. There's something wrong with them. So from what I'm hearing, it is compared to where they were before they noticed the change. Yes. And not, and just for everybody to understand, it's not the past. I want to talk more about present because sometimes adolescents, we had different sex drives than we did in our older years. So please don't compare your sex drive to when you were younger or, you know, your younger 20s or everything, whatever age you may be, don't compare it like that. I mean, like present. Like last month I had a good sex drive, this month I don't. 
because we're going to get caught up in comparing it to past tense. And we, and you know, we can never have a sex drive we did when we were adolescents. <laughs> right, right. And I agree with you. And today I was like doing this assessment with a couple and the husband was telling me, oh, I never had issues with sex. I used to have like sex five, six times per uh, week. And I was like kind of confused. It's like but you guys were married. You were married for 20 years. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about when I was early 20s. So what are you comparing it with? <laughs> yes. And, you know, we have these inner rules that we have to meet. That can cause low libido because that can cause performance anxiety. Hey, I can't perform how I did when I was younger, so I don't have a desire for sex. That means I don't love my partner. No. You can't range it from that. You know, we change daily. You know, that's what things about humans. We can't compare ourselves to how we used to be. We have to really compare how we are now. I love that. Yes. Yeah. So maybe with like how you were a few weeks ago, but not, not how you used to be in that like a special relationship that you had when you were like in 20s and now you're in 40s and 50s. Right. So what are some of the common causes that you see and you hear in your clients that cause libido dysfunctions, struggles with desires? Okay. One thing about um, libido and struggles with desire is one thing I love to tell my couples is it's not one person problem. It's a couple's problem. And sometimes that can really cause another low interest is that the person with the low libido takes all the blame, the shame and the guilt, and that kills desire. Okay, so um, the approach can kill desire. Another thing is that control and power, you know, in a relationship like you have no control, you feel powerless, you think you always have to have sex that can kill libido intimacy. You know, you don't have any intimate connection. Somebody just touch you and they think that you're supposed to be open and ready for sex. And that can kill desire because you feel like you don't have any say so in it. It's no intimacy. It's no communication. It's no bond. Um, Stress. Oh, my God. In today's society, even um, just watching CNN today, if you just stress day to day stress, motherhood, jobs. Um, environmental stress that can kill your desire because you bring that in and we hold it in and you know during sex sometimes we are so stuck in our heads and not in our bodies so that can kill the desire Um, some other things are like unresolved anger you know you have this unresolved anger either towards your spouse or to something else and it comes out during that intimate time that you're withholding sex or you just don't have the desire I, I get a lot of that in my practice. <laughs> I know. And one of the, um, some other ones are like sexual dysfunction. Sometimes um, as women, I can speak that we suffer silently with sexual dysfunctions and even men. So instead of going ahead and having sex, you have a low interest because you don't want to confront the concern of eager ejaculation or not being able to orgasm. So you have low desire. Um, The last couple of things are like trauma, past trauma or past abuse. Anything can, if you got PTSD from that and how somebody approaches you, that can change your desire to have sex and abuse. We know that it's same thing. If you feel abused and you don't want to be in this relationship, that will um, kill your desire also. 
I thank you for that list. And I, as you were going through the list, I I can see of them can play a role on how someone's feel like what they desire, how they feel about towards sex. And I love when you talked about when when there is an issue with libido and desire, it's the couple's issue. And with couples therapy, we say the relationship is our client because sometimes I hear that right. I get a call that, you know, this is wrong. This is an issue with my wife or my husband has low libido. Please fix him or her. So, and right. it's so not going to work unless we're going to address it in the couple's dynamic. Yes. I just like to say that to the couples who going through some is not you problem. It's a us. Because when we talk more about some, how we can resolve it, it takes both parties. Absolutely. And communication, as you said, it is so important because many people that I see personally in my practice, they're so uncomfortable talking about their sexuality. They don't have the vocabulary to talk about it with their partners. And when they experience some kind of issues or when there is a uh, sexual dysfunction, they just not, they're not talking about it. And then they stop having sex. Yes. Yes. And you know, one thing where we learn, like with couples, we can both agree it's always an assumption. We always assume like you should know what I need. You assume this and you assume that. So when we wait for the other partner to trigger us and we don't, we get angry and angry turns into uh, resentment. So that's another cause for low libido. So if we learn anything today, communication is the key. Absolutely. And when there is an issue, an unresolved issue around anger, how do you usually recommend couples to kind of think about it when it's impacting their relationship and their sexuality? Okay, with me being um, a couples therapist, sometimes when it's individual issues, I always refer out because sometimes the individual needs to work on them before we work on us. So sometimes when we can't really answer a lot of concerns in couple sessions, because like you said, I want to work on a unit. So when it's unresolved, when you have a low libido and you feel like it's due to unresolved anger, that's when you need to really think about the root of it. And that's when you seek a professional to really get down to it. Like, I'm just not having, this is beyond me not feeling good. This is something really going on. Every time they touch me, I really get angry. So that's when we send them off to a psychotherapist to just really get down to the root of that cause and see what it is so they can confront it, heal, and move forward. Then when they come back to the couple session, we can be more apt to handle it. And then we can get in with the partner, how they can assist them with continued success in their process. Absolutely. And I know that sometimes I refer people out when they're kind of resolve their issue, they address it in a safe therapeutic relationship outside couples therapy they can see wonderful results. And something else that you talked about that was very interesting was stress. I think what I see is stress is number one reason that many, many of my clients are struggling and they notice it like change in their desire because by the time they get home, they're exhausted. There are a number of things in their mind. And the last thing they want to do is just kind of think about sex. And if, unless they put it on the priority, then they're not going to have sex. And it is so interesting to see that how level of stress can be associated with how people, how much people want to have sex. 
Yes, it can be. And one thing is I tell my couples is you can't control what's going on in the world, but you can't control what's going on to your home. Let your home be a sanctuary. Have a ritual with detoxing before you get home. I always try to implement that. Well, even if it's coming home, giving each other 10 to 15 minutes to detox, taking a nice shower, having a nice beverage and just really winding down. And really try not to bring your concerns home, even taking a long way home so you can detox for the day. Anything that's going to stop it from interfering with your life. That's another thing with desire because we so in our heads, we don't get into our bodies. Despite whatever you're going through, you deserve pleasure. You deserve to be sexually active. You deserve to be desired. So no matter what stress or not. You deserve pleasure. And that's one thing that I have to teach my uh, clients is it's not with my partner. You know, it's not for my partner. It's with my partner because we like, oh, I got to do this for I my partner. That. No, You, you got to do it with your partner. And when you change how you think about sex and change the um, relieve the guilt and shame and everything, you'll be more sexually active and your libido will be just fine. Libido don't disappear. It just go away for a while, but it can come back. It can come back. Yes. And as you were talking about, you know, having some kind of a plan to address and seeing, being curious about what happens instead of having, feeling shameful and feeling like, you know, I'm defective. So this is not working. Kind of curious and interested to see, okay, what happened? What am I experiencing? And why I'm not interested potentially in sex right now. Yes, it is said that one thing about libido is it's a signal. Desire and libido, which we can interchange the two, is said to be a signal that something in your body or your life has a disconnect. So if we stop and listen to our bodies or look at our relationship, internal factors and external factors, we can kind of see where the low libido and that's one thing what happened is we internalize a blame that we don't say, hey, it's not me. It's what's going on. And, you know, that's what we need to do also. Yes. And I think you were one other thing that you were talking about, which was great, was having some kind of a stress reduction ritual. I know therapists, we are like rest of the people. We, we do lots of a, like high stress. We have a, like a stressful session sometimes. And I found myself unless... I'm going to do some kind of a physical activity after those sessions. I'm not going to be able to feel relaxed and separate myself from my work. So having some kind of ritual, some kind of a system that would help you to detox, as you talked about, is so important these days. Yes, please include um, a healthy lifestyle. If it's good for your body, it's good for your sexual health. That's one thing we don't um, really pay attention to is our sexual health. Eating right, eating healthy, clean living, clean eating helps with our sexuality. Um, you can't really feel desire in an inflamed body, you know, and exercise really get that blood circulation, that blood flow. It helps with so many things and sex is a lot of one of them. So incorporating those things also helps with your desire. 
Absolutely. And I'm thinking about how there are, as you said, we know, sometimes we don't have control over the stressors in our lives. And it's going to be a period of time that we might feel stressed. For example, I see the law with new mothers after pregnancy and delivery, uh, they lose interest in sex, and which is normal. But then what is the, when is the uh, low libido become a concern? Low libido comes a concern when it affects your daily life. Kind of like depression, when you feel like this is really, is, is this is not how it used to be, meaning future, not future, really current, present. It's not how it used to be. I think something is going on and you really can't pinpoint it in something. And also, if you have other factors, you feel depressed, um, you're crying all the time, uh, your stomach hurts, um, painful sex. Those are things that let you know that something else is going wrong. And you should really, um, like we all recommend, is medical. You should go and get a medical exam, get your uh, blood levels tested, and just not to, oh, just go to the doctor, just to rule out, to rule out everything. And then after you rule out um, really biological things, really just look psychological like, am I really having a bad time? Am I trying to relive something that's not really there? So those are the things that I would say that um, when you really need to get help. Yes, and the importance of uh, when you were talking about the medical exam is so important. Whenever someone's come to my office and they're talking about the struggles around their sexuality, I almost always refer them for first getting a medical kind of exam because our hormones are complicated. There could be a number of different reasons that someone might experience some challenges around sexuality that might be organic or psychological or both. Yeah, illness, um, medicine, um, all of those take a toll on us. Yeah, I guess. And I think with having, with doing those medical workups and collaborating with physicians, that gives us a more clear image of what's going on. And it doesn't necessarily mean that if it's medical, that you're not necessarily going to get better or there's no solution or if it's psychological. They, all these things are can be connected and there are very solid evidence-based solutions for those things. Yes, very. And you kind of, when you know what to call it, you feel better because you know what to call it. Um, oh, this is my medicine that makes me do like this. Oh, my diabetes is what it is. And then when you know how to call it, you can think more through it than staying in your head and be like, what's going on? What's going on? You can kind of pinpoint it and you feel better because now you go to solution based stuff. Yes. You're not grabbing out of hand. You're going more solution-based. So with anything, that's what we want to do is more solution-based and know everything, um, every problem has a solution. And so let's find a solution. Yes. And it's so funny how sometimes the solutions can be easy. I know one of my female clients, she was telling me how she lost her orgasm. She wasn't able to reach orgasm. And she also was struggling with depression. So she was on an antidepressant. She didn't tell me about it and for a few months. But then when she shared that with me and we looked at the medication, she talked to the physician and uh, the psychiatrist changed her medication and her orgasm came back. And it was as simple yes. of kind of consulting with a physician and choosing another medication. Yes, because what happened is we suffer in silence and we don't get help. And like another things when you are on 
antidepressant or anything, your orgasm is there. It just takes longer. So with my clients, I recommend utilizing a novelty, a sexual novelty to help help you get there. And once you have that confidence, oh, I can do it. Oh, my God, it changes your mind frame. Because sometimes you need novelty. And that's a, probably a whole nother conversation. But <laughs> no, I love that. I, I always say that like one of the issues are people having leftover sex. They don't utilize enough novelty. So what are some of the things that you kind of recommend your clients? Oh, well, um, for women who really have long, like really have take longer. And that doesn't even have to be low libido. Some women don't think they can have orgasms. So what I recommend is really mindful showers. I recommend them getting to know their bodies. I recommend them um, master solo masturbation. So they can get to know their cells. I uh, recommend um, based on their expertise or lack of how to pick a, um, their first sex toy. Some, you know, some women are ex- external, some are internal. So some might not want anything that looks like a, a penis. Some might just want um, something to vibrate the clitoral for clitoral stimulation. So, um, but some of my women who are really just really want some. I always recommend my go-to is the magic wand. You can't right. beat that because <laughs> it's very, it's very, I'm old school. It's very speeds. Um, I like charge chargers, but it's nothing like an old plug-in right. because the charger go down or the battery will go down and that just really will kill your drive. So I like old school um, magic wand. You plug it in and it could go long as you have long as you can go. That's how long the magic wand. So that's what I recommend. Old school magic wand. And then just for um, play, it's so many novelties out there. Couples, tours, everything to just play with the different sensations. So some women say they can't have an orgasm. It's just that they take longer to have an orgasm. Right. And unfortunately, with like pornography, some people, that's that's how they got their sex education. And they're thinking, oh, they're thinking that it took the lady in the movie five minutes or I don't know, four minutes since penetration. And she reached this fantastic orgasm. And then what's wrong with me? Yeah, got to be me. He didn't do me like this yet. Porn. And I'm, I'm not I'm, I watch porn. Porn is for entertainment. Porn is strictly for entertainment and sometimes enrichment. Because if you come with an open mind and entertain it, it can teach you like a new position, mm-hmm. um, anything like that. It can teach you how to act like sometimes I love role play. So to act like a porn star. And, you know, right. sometimes I even recommend couples, if they're comfortable enough to watch porn together, to watch, take the taboo out of it. You know, it's just people want to, you know, having sex. So, Porn has all different things, but not to teach about sex. Even though it's educational porn, women-friendly porn, we have so many different genres of porn. So um, if you want to learn, I'm pretty sure it's a lot of different sites that can educate you, but not just strictly sex porn, no. Yes, and I'm with you. I think that it can be enhanced couples sexual play and it can be helpful to watch it uh, personally. But I think one of the challenges, as you said, it's it's when people kind of want to get sex education solely for um, porn, which I know many of my clients 
got it that way. And then it's just, as you say, it's entertainment. It's a movie set. It's like if you want to learn about uh, marriage from uh, this like 50s sitcoms. So it's so different. So you got to have a... be you use it be in a good mindset to say okay this is what i'm getting out of this yes yes and just relax you know one thing is i just want to stress get out of your head get it out, out in your body and just relax you know we are so timid on some stuff and it just takes the joy and pleasure out of so much stuff Absolutely. And I know that sometimes even teaching people like mindfulness, breathing exercises can be so helpful to kind of address some of the struggles around sexuality because how stress can impair their sexual functioning or sometimes I was sharing with you that sometimes something happens and then it just stuck with people. They say, okay, I did, uh, I didn't get an erection last time. So what if I don't get it this time and kind of get people get stuck in this loop? Yeah. And also the shame and you can attest to this. Um, just, we have to, I love to ask my clients, where do they learn about sex? How do they learn about sex? And, and what didn't you, what didn't you learn You know, so we get these conversations going and because that can help with desire, help or hurt with desire. So if you come from a family that didn't show no sexual expression and your partner wants to really take it up a notch, that guilt and shame will kill your desire. If you have that good girl, bad girl complex and good girls don't do that, that can kill your sexual desire. So sometimes those are the things that you can talk to with a professional and see how you can get past that and how sometimes sex is healthy and not really to take away what you learn, but to reframe it. Yes. And as you said, it's so important for people to kind of explore their internal messages about sexuality and what do they think about that? Because I know many of cultures, like my own personal culture, is like some most families, they have this negative attitude towards sexuality. And if we uh, learn to kind of think about sex in a negative perspective, it's going to be so challenging if we want to experience it more, expand our experiences with our car- couple, with our partners, and yeah, bring novelty to the real relationship. Yeah. And if you think that, you know, some sex is just for reproduction, sex is a bedtime ritual. I mean, these things are passed down from generation to generation. So when you get in your relationship, you internalize all of that because your experience becomes your expectation. So, you know, especially when that's when we talk about the control and power, I'm supposed to have sex with my husband, you know, and it just, and you, and resentment forms because it's for him. It's not with him, it's for him. So of course you're going to have low desire because one thing about desire is doing something that's pleasurable. And if sex is not pleasurable to you, you are not going to desire it. Yes. And I love when you were talking about the controlling power dynamic, because sometimes I get couples and the husband or wife says, you know, I need to have sex before I go to bed because I it helps me to sleep and uh, like de-stress. And I see sometimes the resentment and the other party because she said, I'm not like, why is sex so mechanical? I don't want to be the right. tool for him or her to use to right. sleep. Oh my God, right. 
And that's one of the things that um, when we talk about that with our couples, that we have to tell them, as you know, they have to have that conversation outside of the bedroom. Those are conversations you cannot have in the bedroom. You got to have intimacy, create bonds outside the bedroom. Foreplay takes all day. So don't have intense conversations about sex inside the bedroom. Sometimes you can have some like enrichment uh, conversations after sex, but we don't want to have those intense conversations during sex because that just make more anxiety, which going to equal less desire. Yes. And as you said, it needs to be an ongoing conversation because I know that sometimes people don't say anything. And then because they they have all this built up resentment and frustration, they kind of blur out things right after the sex or during yeah, the sex. Right after- Right after sex. Right. And it kills the mood and creates all this (laughs) negative energy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We know about those fights because they happen right in front of us. I'm like, oh, my goodness. That's how I say when it gets to name calling and direct hits, it's time for a timeout. It's something. What's the root? What are you really trying to communicate? So we got to know what's the root of this argument. It's just like, I want you to hear me. Please hear me. I want you to do this to me. So why don't we reframe that and just say that? No need to call names. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely not going to work for communication. No. And then it'd be like, why would I have sex with somebody I don't even like? So I'm like, oh, my goodness. Here we go. So <laughs> and, you know, one other interesting thing is that um, some people, they don't have, they don't experience sexual desire or I don't know, they identify with asexual. What is the difference between someone who has low libido, low sexual desire compared to someone who identifies as asexual? Okay. Okay, this is libido is you think about libido as um, sexual pleasure. Asexual is if you can think of asexual is like a sexual orientation. Asexual is really they're not attracted to anybody. Okay, they don't have any sexual attraction. They can have relationships. They can go on, they can be romantic, but the things that they are attracted to is different from what um, just say heterosexual are attracted to. So they don't need that connection, that sexual connection. Libido, if you can think about, is sex drive. Asexual, um, it's an ongoing study, but asexual, they can be uh, have high libido. But when they have sex, it's not for the same reason. They can have sex and don't have any co- connection because they just don't, they just not attracted to like that. They more like connected to like hugging, kissing, more conversational. Right. As you said, so it's not a gender identity compared to the like being a struggle because I know when someone's struggling with low libido is something that just, it's a sign that something is not working. But with asexual, what I'm, what I'm hearing is that it's not necessarily that. It's just who they are. Yeah, it's, it's really who they are and who they're attracted to. You know, so just because you don't have sex in a long time don't make you asexual. You know, that has something to do with sex. Low libido is the dry sexual. Uh, asexual is the orientation. Right. Okay. 
Okay, so it's interesting that you said, you know, it's their interest might be in other things in the relationship, maybe it's romantic, maybe other aspects of the relationship, but not necessarily uh, sexuality. Yeah, and it's not a dysfunction. Right. You know, that's what I want to make sure. Being asexual is really not um, a dysfunction. Because some people say, oh, asexual, no. They can have regular lives. They just view sex in a different way. And that doesn't make it a dysfunction. That's just their choice. Just like orientation and preference, that's their choice. Right, right. And one, so I guess the focus the, for people who come in to our practice for sexual struggles are mostly people who have maybe mismatched libidos for but at least for the couples I see. So, and I know the uh, dynamic that people come in, they, they've been resentful, they're angry at each other because they tried to navigate that themselves and they haven't been able to do that. So what are some of the recommendations that you have for the couples with differences and libido so they can kind of like uh, start creating a common sex language? Okay. One of the key things that I know a lot of people hear and they're like, oh, here she go again with communication. It's not so much talking to each other is what you talk about. It's talking about your desires, talking about your fantasies, talking about what's changing. How can I please you? How did you like when I did that? It's more not so just sitting face to face and be like, oh, what are we going to talk about? It's the substance of the conversation. So really getting to know that person every day, daily. I mean, yearly we change, we get older. What happened um, two years ago, our bodies are aging. It might change something different. Really being mindful of that and doing techniques like body mapping, laying down and be like, do you like this? Do you like that? Can I touch you here? Sensation play. Really the key to, um, to defeat kind of the mixed libido is conversation. And really recontracting. One thing about it is um, low desire comes when we do the same thing over and over again. Somebody's the pursuer. Somebody do that. But recontract. Um, no really gender roles. Um, it's okay for you to be a woman and want to have sex. It's okay for you to initiate it. It's okay for you to be aggressive. So really recontracting stuff over and over again and bringing spice into it. And if you don't want to have sex, really say, give an alternative. Like, I really don't want to have sex right now, but I really would love a massage. And maybe we can think about it later. Just don't say no, because no means so much. It can open so many wounds. Just get a different directive. So I think the whole key is very honest, and really, what can I say, honest and deep conversation. Yes, and I think that when you talked about focused conversation, because I know sometimes I'm guilty of that. And when I say like communication, then I'm gonna it can be very broad and not necessarily focused on okay, what are we talking about? What are our what's our focus? And as you said, people's interest changes, our body changes and like how you learn maybe new recipes or cooking things throughout your life. Maybe you want to consider other things that might be pleasurable to your partner or allowing yourself to receive and experience pleasure different than how you were experiencing it like 10 years ago. Yes. 
And even especially after a baby, you know, one thing when we give birth, we think we're going to snap back and go back to what we used to. And then we get frustrated. No, you have to recontract. And it's okay to recontract with your partner. It's okay. You know, and sometimes we're leaving the stress like, hey, if you help me with the baby, do this and do that, I can be more like this and that. So recontract your roles, recontract your responsibilities and just having that open, honest communication and building that intimacy in and out the bedroom. That will help uh, with libido. Yes, and as you were talking about contract, it's so important because I feel some people are more implicit and sometimes we don't say things and we expect them. It's so important to sometimes be concrete about things and talk about what works for you and what doesn't and kind of be curious about, okay, what we can change so we can address both of our needs. Right, and it's our needs. It's just not your needs. Yes, and Renelle, I know, yeah, yeah. Absolutely are needs because if you kind of people are focused, I know you need to be a little bit selfish in order to receive and uh, experience pleasure during the sex. But if the focus is are we both experiencing it, it's going to be helpful for our greater goods because then if a partner is not experiencing pleasure, they're probably might not want to have sex later on. Yes, yes. And checking in with each other. That's one thing we don't check in. I'm not saying always why during sex, but just check in. How is that? What would you like? Just really checking in. Is there anything that I can do? Even that be like after sex, good after sex talk, you know, um, how can we work together? What would you like to do next? Do you have any fantasy? You know, that's good pillow talk. Yes, and it can definitely kind of uh, give you good information for next time. So I, I agree with that. Renelle, I know your wealth of great information. I personally follow you in different social media and I enjoy your uh, <laughs> posts and everything. So if our <laughs> listeners would like to get a hold of you, what would be the best for them, uh, best way for them to reach you? Um, they can reach me at my website, Kaleidoscope Services. Um, all one word, LLC.org. I am on Instagram as Noir Sex Therapist, uh, no E in sex. And I am on Facebook as Renelle Nelson with Kaleidoscope Services. Wonderful. And thank you so much for this great conversation today and giving us your insight and sharing with us your uh, clinical and personal wisdom. Thank you so much for having me, and I love talking. And that's my mission to educate, enhance, and excite people's lives in and out the bedroom. So thank you so much for giving me this platform to share. Of course. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you found some good information about how to navigate these differences in the libido in your relationship. If you try something and you find it, it's helpful, please let me know whether you learn it here or somewhere else. I always love to hear from you guys. You can send me an email at drmoali at sexologypodcast.com or at Twitter. My handle is Oasis2Care and I'll talk to you next week. Take a good care. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast 
is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.